Break them down in twos. <laughs> nah, we do. Baby, read. Well, when I was washing a part of my body, I almost had a little incident. <laughs> I almost had a little incident with those limb bars of soap. I almost lose it. I almost lost it. And I was like, whoa, that was too Hey everyone, welcome to an edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. The play-in tournament is starting tomorrow, and we got a preview episode for you guys today. I'm here with Nishant. What's up, dude? Hey man, what an exciting end of the season, right? Oh man, I mean, we got, we're going to get to it. Uh, obviously, the highlight was the Minnesota Timberwolves, and uh, we're going to talk about their game coming up tomorrow, and the news around Rudy Gobert, Kyle Anderson, McDaniels. Man, what an end to the season. I mean... You and I were literally at a wedding uh, yesterday, and we're just tracking ESPN the whole time and Twitter. I I thought we'd have some fireworks, but I did not expect to see what happened with the Timberwolves. Yeah, totally. That's why that makes this uh, next next week even more interesting. But I think for this episode, so we wanted to do, we got two games tomorrow, two games Wednesday, um, and just preview these first set of play-in games. And so starting with what we think is least interesting to most interesting but we're gonna do five minutes on each matchup so let's get started with tomorrow or no not tomorrow they're playing on wednesday the raptors versus the bulls raptors were the nine seed bulls 10 seed and then toronto's at home what are your thoughts on this one so you know this is um this is like the series that keeps giving i mean you know chicago last year riding on the coattails of a, a good season and the Raptors having had all promise all year, people were like, oh, they're going to turn around. They're going to turn around. They never really did. Um, some could say towards the end, they played, they started playing a little bit better. But I don't see really anything exciting about this game, except for the fact that the team that doesn't make it is probably going to have to start thinking heavily about roster changes, right? Like, do you think this is one of those games where like the team that makes it uh, or gets at least to the next round may have a one more year leash versus the other team which might you know quickly start to try to tear down this current iteration of their team you know it's either Zach Levine or Vucevic or on the other side trying to trade OG or Siakam or you know I think Fred Van Vliet's a a free agent at the end of the season so really figuring out whether you want to pay him the money that he's going to want to stay yeah I mean the Raptors kind of we thought at the trade deadline itself that they were going to maybe break up this team they chose to stick around stick with the same team OG Pascal Fred Van Vliet everyone's around I think more than the players for the Raptors is Nick Nurse going to be around I think that's a huge question for them he gave these like cryptic comments um last week after a game where he said he's going to take some time after the season to reflect and just think about his career I think he's going into the last year of his contract he's very well paid eight million dollars and there's rumors that you know his salary was leaked and anytime that happens that's not a good sign basically saying that wow look how much this guy's getting paid uh, so the Raptors are definitely about to hit a crossroads Van Vliet's a free agent like you said and then the Bulls I mean what are they going to do Vucevic is a free agent um, I'm sure he won't get the money that he's making right now but I mean he is a what he plays at least and that's <laughs> something to say in today's day and age and while his defense is nothing to be talked about he's a great offensive center still um maybe not great good he's a good offensive center <laughs> and they got DeRozan but I, I think this is like I think we wanted to talk about this one first just because there's like some stakes going into the offseason for both teams but 
Is there like one matchup that you're like kind of excited to see, like Zach Levine versus Scotty Barnes or like DeRozan on Barnes? Like, you know, what matchup intrigues you about this one? You know, honestly, the the only thing that really intrigues me about this one is like who steps up. You know, is this is this the Zach Levine iteration of the Bulls, or is this going to be, which is kind of more so this year, or the Demar Derozan version of it? I think in terms of matchups, there's not really one that's. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe this matchup is happening. I guess the only one I could think of is like, who does Fred VanVleet really guard on Chicago, and are they going to be exploiting his his size? And then on the other end, you know. Uh, how, how does how does someone like Vucevic stay on the court when you have a team like Toronto where everyone is you know mobile, switchable? Like, is is he just gonna get completely played off the court? Those are two big storylines for guys that are coming up into the uh, you know uh, ending of their contract and you know have something to prove to their teams. Yeah, I think Vainly likely on Caruso if I had to say, um, or maybe Pat Bev. Um, I think that's. Like in terms of size, that's like a reasonable matchup, and then I I'm kind of excited to see what the coaching matchup is going to be like. I mean, Billy Donovan is someone that we never talk about as one of the best coaches out there, uh, but he's always I feel like had teams that maybe don't really match what he wants to do, and you know he's always had ball dominant guards like Russell Westbrook. He was that one year with Chris Paul, and then now since coming here, he's had. Um, Levine, DeRozan, just basically guys that are not <laughs> known for their passing or for their scoring. And Nick Nurse, we've seen it in the past. This guy makes adjustments on the flies. He knows exactly what cards to play. And he's got three switchable wings, uh, Siakam, Barnes, and OG. That's really the core of their team. But we got 30 seconds left. Um, what's your prediction for this one? You know, I, I think Toronto probably wins this game. Um they're five-point favorites, and I don't know. Chicago just doesn't have. I, I feel like Chicago, unless it's like late-game heroics with DeRozan, I don't. I don't really see them being able to put together a game plan against Toronto. But that's like a week. I think Toronto is going to win. What yeah, I. I think I'm going to go with the Bulls just because I think since they got Pat Bev, they've been playing better. Um, I think they've kind of have hit a rotation where they have lineups of Caruso, Pat Bev, and then Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic. Those lineups seem to be working. And then you can always take out one of the guards and then play Pat Williams. I think they, they've they been, you know, Chicago is almost a team that all broke it up too in the middle of the year. They stuck around. And something just tells me that this is going to be a close game and that they have two guys who are closers in Levine and DeRozan who could just get their offense um, on their own. And that's why I like the Bulls. So that's so that the, one. The, one. the one thing to look forward to in that game was if, you know, plus or minus uh, whether Pat Bev is going to stand up on the scorer's table if the Bulls win. <laughs> well, he's on the road this time, so I don't know if he <laughs> will do it. But, you know, he's going to... If they make the playoffs, I think you know he's definitely going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next one, um, Heat Hawks. So a rematch of the one versus eight from last year. And so the Heat... Now, this year, they're a seven seed. The Hawks last year were a nine seed. They had to win two games. This year they're an eight seed. Um, again, there's like these. A lot of the players are similar, except on the Hawks have Dejounte now. But you know, who do you like in this matchup? And are you surprised that the Heat are a playing team this year? 
I think that's... I, I am surprised that the Heat are a playing team, although we kind of knew going into the season that the East was going to be crowded. And I think Miami kind of... Uh, as a team that's a little bit older, has a team that early in the season had a lot of injuries. I think they just couldn't quite get it together, though in the last few weeks, I think they've looked much better. Conversely, I thought Atlanta was going to be great this year. I thought the signing of DeJounte Murray was supposed to be awesome. The first few games of the season, it looked like it was like the perfect match made in heaven because you're finally seeing what everyone kind of wants from Trey Young, which is playing a little bit more like Steph Curry, where great, you have the ball, you can make things happen with the ball. Wonderful, you can do that, you know, a few times a game, but then also supplementing that with like running around screens, having DeJounte run the offense, and it just really never worked out. And it just seems like it's like a part of it kind of feels like a year long version of like Luca Kyrie to me. It's like your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn kind of thing. And I remember when Trey Young was out in the middle of the season for a couple of games, you know, with all the drama that came with that. Um, DeJounte was playing great because he was like commanding the offense. And so um, it's an interesting, you know, matchup for two teams that played each other. Um I, I really don't see how the chemistry from Atlanta and the amount of time that Quinn Snyder has had with this team to like really get get what his offense and defense is going. I think they really do need an offseason. So here I think Miami has the advantage, both with uh, having been together for a while. Spo is a great playoff coach. Um, so that, that's what I think. What about you? Yeah, I mean, this is really why they went out and got DeJounte, right? Um, after the last year's... 4-1 heat victory over the Hawks uh, they just completely shut down Trey and anytime Trey gave up the ball they just didn't have a secondary ball handler like Bogdanovich wasn't that guy and so that's why they went out and got DeJounte so like d- exactly for this we didn't really say seem it pay much dividends during the regular season the Hawks just only moved up one seed and their record didn't improve but in a game like this I mean this this is why they, they made the trade you play them big minutes um, we'll see if they have enough of it left in the tank um the problem i don't know the hawks always intrigue me because they have if you look at their team they got a bunch of good players they got trey Dejounte, bogdanovich and then they got in the front court collins capella kongwu and then even their like deep bench guys like aj griffin i i, I like those guys and then jalen johnson they just have a bunch of guys i think but that's almost always been their problem right like they got rid of reddish and herder last year they just have like too many guys and and then when you have a ball dominant player like trey and you have too many guys not everyone gets to touch the ball and it almost works to their detriment um i think you know i do think the heat are gonna win this one they got they're at home playoff jimmy's gonna come out he's gonna do his thing and then they got tyler and bam who'll come along for the ride um one thing I am intrigued by, though, I mean, I sent you this article today with uh, Kevin O'Connor saying that this is a huge offseason for the Hawks. Um, Quinn Snyder, if you look at how he likes to play, Trey Young is not, like, really fitting his system. And apparently, like, the Hawks front office has, like, the ability to look for a trade for anyone, including Trey. That was that was pretty shocking to me to read, read that. Yeah, I think, I you know, I really... I just don't under, I just don't see how they can move off of Trey Young and get value for him. That being said, we saw a lot of major superstars being traded this year. 
there's no way that when they hired Quinn Snyder, they knew what his coaching acumen was like. They knew what kind of players he liked to work around with. And of course, Trey Young hasn't fit that mold. And how, do you call it quits on Trey Young's ability to continue to grow and his game continuing to grow and him having additional offseason with the team and you know changing his mentality? I don't really know. This might just be him and this might just be the ceiling that they have. But I would be very, very, very shocked if they get traded. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but I do think major changes are coming for this team. So we both like the Heat in this one? Yeah, I think so. All right. So let's go on to our next one. It's going to be the Thunder and the Pelicans. Man, I definitely thought the Pelicans were going to be the 8 seed, but they find themselves in this position again, just like last year, the 9th seed. They're going to be hosting the Thunder at home, who limped in. I mean, I think the Thunder were kind of lucky that the Mavs just tanked at the end and chose to not try um and they also got the benefit of the fact that the grizzlies benched their guys for in that last game and the jazz the previous game but props to the thunder they're in the playing tournament uh, we didn't think they would even be here this year props to them uh what are your thoughts on this one well the biggest the biggest thought is that for you know finally you had a season where OKC um, was not able to tank, you know, for many years. The, the, that was their MO. It's like, you know, and the season comes and <laughs> they got beat at their own game for once by the, yeah. the, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, <laughs> I think this is an important game. Uh, I think for both teams, it's pretty important. For the Thunder, it's an experience thing. You know, now they have a lot of young guys, many of which have not played. I actually don't even know if any of these guys have had meaningful playoff minutes. Um, I think SGA played a little bit uh, back when he was with the Clippers, but I mean like meaningful, you know, he's now a superstar. He's never played in the playoffs as a superstar. So I think getting this rep is probably more important to them than having, you know, finished where Dallas finished. For the Pelicans, I mean, this is this is it, man. They went on that run. People thought that they could have gotten up as high as the fifth seed, especially the embarrassment, which was that game yesterday. Like, I... I can't see how they are. They have any morale. Like I, I just don't understand. And I think we might be coming close to this. Like, what happens with Ingram and McCollum and Zion? And one thing I think that's like sneaky that and I don't know if he's going to be back. I don't think he's going to be back. But you know, Jose Alvarado, who is a big key component to them winning the two games last year. He's been he's been unhealthy pretty much the last month of the season, and so even if he is cleared to come back and play, which I don't know if he will be, uh, is he going to have the same mojo? Because I think that that's someone they'll really really need. Because if they don't have him, who's gonna, who's going to even have the the chance to stop Shea? I don't think there is a single person. So um, that's what I think. You know, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup from that perspective. I think the Pelicans are also limping in but i think okc is playing with house money so they can go out have fun they lose no one's gonna care no everyone's gonna say that they're already ahead of timeline the pelicans meanwhile have a lot to lose in this game and so the pressure is gonna be on on for them this time they don't have some of the same guys they did last year but they do have some experience so we'll see if they come out you know looking a little bit tight and a little bit cold or whether they come out with you know uh, a lot of confidence because they've been there done that kind of mentality yeah, I, I you hit it. I mean, the fact that no one expected the Thunder to be here, and they are here ahead of schedule. And if they don't make it, they're going to go back into the lottery. They have the 
they're gonna have another pick this year in the lottery maybe they'll get something into the in the top four they can always jump up there if not i mean they got sga giddy j-dub and then chet is going to be playing next year that's a solid four they got they got those guys as their core moving forward and man the pelicans they probably remember at one point they were the when zion went down they were the number two seed um and then they just went on a huge losing streak and it's just so hard to plan the pelicans future if zion just can't consistently play because when he does play i mean this team was the number two seed in the western conference and when he didn't they dropped all the way down to 11 12 at one point they ended up making a surge at the end um but i think this game is basically going to come down to bi um versus sga right it's yep. who it's mano a mano who is going to be the the guy taking the big shots and making the big shots and it's i think that's ultimately what it's going to come down to i i'm going to go with the pelicans in this game just because they are at home i think that's going to help them out the thunder again they're this is not a playoff game but it's their first time in an environment like this the thunder were here last year where they won two games to make the playoffs they kind of have some familiarity so i'm going to go with the pelicans yeah i think i'm going to go with the pelicans too part of me like three weeks ago was really hoping and praying that zion would be back for the playoffs and i know wishful thinking there's there's nothing in the last whatever four years or three years that he's been in the nba that has told me that he would ever rush his you know his his um rehab to get back to games that are important that being said like that's not a that's not a um referendum on on zion he always seems like he wants to play but obviously his body doesn't cooperate if zion was playing which is uh you know we can we can get that tattooed on people's arms because that's what we always say if zion was playing blah 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 blah, this would be more exciting i'm also going to go with the pelicans mostly because of experience and having done this last year though um, I am really, really, really interested to see Shea in these in these kinds of games, and um, you know, um, we'll kind of see how Josh Giddy and those guys grow around Shea in games that matter. The I, hopefully the Pelicans aren't too mentally distraught after their their loss last night to a to a, to the team that we're going to be talking about next. That was, you know, essentially in shambles. Um, and so let's let's talk about that. I, I want to you you know we'll have you start off because I know you, you have your opinions. But uh, let's let's talk about the probably most interesting playing game. Maybe not from like a uh, like a potentially the game itself could be a bust, but from a storyline going into the game, I think the Lakers Wolves game is the most interesting one. Just for those that didn't see what happened to the Wolves yesterday, you know they. <laughs> had probably the most bizarre end of the season that I've ever seen in my life <laughs> in a game where they came out, they were playing the Pelicans. They were, they were probably the only one of two games yesterday that was actually competitive where they played their starters. Obviously a really important game for both the Timberwolves and the Pelicans. The winner could have, uh, if the Pelicans had won, they could have, they could have jumped up in the standings a little bit, or they could have fallen down and, whoever won this game essentially it was like a, it was like a. if i win this one then i only need one more to make the playoff versus i need two more wins to make the playoff that's what this game was all about and the timberwolves start off poorly 
and obviously tempers are flying there's a great video online you can go watch it but you know uh, kyle anderson and rudy gobert are uh you know mouthing off to each other grant you know for those that don't know their their teammates you know this shouldn't really be happening and then rudy gets called the b word multiple times <laughs> it sounds like uh, yeah. alleg allegedly and then he takes a swing which is like the most unconventional thing that i've ever seen one teammate hitting another teammate um, that's not something you see very often, especially in a must-win game. So, you know, that was already bad enough. Uh, Gobert got sent home. And then, you know, Jade McDaniels, who's probably arguably their best wing defender. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's been a whatever lot of reason, recently about how good he is. I didn't realize he was that good of a defender. Yeah, and, and you know, as someone who was an Amari Stoudemire fan when he punched a fire hydrant and broke his hand, like, this is a <laughs> yeah. tragedy. I remember People that, need yeah. to get walls out of arenas, man. Like, got, these guys need to have, like, it's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. So he punched a wall and he broke his hand, which is uh, probably going to keep him out for the whole playoffs. That All of that being said, you know, what are your thoughts on this game coming in uh, as a Lakers fan? Yeah, I mean, I think I was surprised. I think before the, the suspension for Rudy and the injury to McDaniels, I would have preferred to play the Pelicans just because of the high-level talent of Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. I, I mean, I love Edwards. What he did at the end of the game yesterday was just unbelievable. I mean, this guy's only in his third season, 21 years old. Uh, the fact that the, the I thought the Wolves were going to lose that game given what, everything that was happening. And I think that's what wasn't being talked about. The fact that the Wolves came back, Edwards has this incredible block on Ingram at the end, or McCollum, sorry, comes down the other end and then has an and one. It was just like, what an incredible sequence. Um, and so, you know, that's why I was like, I feared the Wolves. Um, it, it, I think it will be helpful that uh, they won't have these guys, but it could also be a trap game. The classic where you think that no Gobert, the paint should be open for AD now and Braun to get in. Um, and with no McDaniels, it, you would think that he would have probably, he was going to guard Braun based on when they last played. And the fact that he won't be there now, you're thinking it's going to be either Torian Prince, Ant-Man, or Kyle Anderson guarding Braun, which, you know, they're, they're all the capable bodies, but they're not as good of a defender as McDaniels. So I think those things are in the Lakers' favor. They are at home. Um, but all those things said, you know, you, you just hope that they don't let down just because of those advantages, what you think. You hope that that's not a reason for the Lakers to come out flat. I mean, it was kind of discouraging a little bit, the fact that they didn't really knock the socks off the, the Suns on Friday night without their four best players and the Jazz on Sunday. That game was closed till the end. I was watching the highlights. Um, we couldn't watch the game, but like Braun needed a late three. It was just like, why are we struggling to beat the, this Jazz team at home? Um, I don't know if it's just a lack of effort, given that they couldn't really get move up to six. That might have played a role. But I think with the Lakers, it really comes down, and this has been the case since AD's gotten here. If they both are healthy and they are playing and they're engaged, this is a dangerous team that always hasn't been the case and so we saw we really have seen that only for one playoff run the first year of ad and they won the title and so that's what it's going to come down to which stars are going to play better lebron and ad or cat and ant-man i yeah I, I agree with you i think the the game should 
have been more competitive than I think it will be. Of course, you could say that about any team. Are they going to come out flat? Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the Lakers have been there. They've played in playoff situations. This isn't a regular season game. There's, this isn't a back-to-back. I think that someone like Gobert missing is a huge for the Lakers, who generally go small. Um, you know, after the... That's why they traded Thomas Bryant because he wasn't really playing that much. Um, and so I think that all the advantages are on, Laker, on the Lakers side. I uh, Vegas has the Lakers as an eight-point favorite, which is the largest spread amongst all of the all of the playing games. So clearly Vegas knows something. I think uh, the currently constructed team for the Lakers is much more uh, capable to play Minnesota than I think previous editions of this team. Carl Anthony Towns uh, and and the Ant-Man are have been have have do not have any level of playoff experience that the Lakers do. And so the way I look at this is like the Lakers essentially had everything go right for them in the last day if they had to be in the playing situation, which they did. And you know, uh, to, to speak to your fact that like the Lakers seemed like they had a tough time beating the Suns. Well, so did the Clippers just a few days ago, or just yesterday rather. And Utah all year, who regardless of who they're playing, have been a competitive team to play. And so I wouldn't take any of that against them. The last thing is like, dude, how messed up do you think Minnesota's locker room is right now? Like, I I can't even imagine. They have to play tomorrow. Like this is gonna be this is chaos for them. And yeah, it's you know it is the play-in. Anyone can come and win a single game. But you know if you had to if you had, if you were the NBA writers, which we're not, but you know the NBA writers are salivating over this matchup. They did everything that they needed to to make sure that the Lakers have as easy of a path in this game as possible. I mean, the fact that this happened on the 82nd game of the year, and to compound, people already were saying that. Um, that this Rudy Gobert trade was such a disaster, and then this happened yesterday. I mean, this this is the the risk when you go that all in, and not for a guy who's Kevin Durant, right? Basically, they gave a Kevin Durant package for Rudy Gobert, and so it's going to be an interesting off season for the Wolves, regardless of the result tomorrow. Um, you know, Cat is he going to be traded? What's going to happen? Um, it's going to be an interesting off season. Yeah, so to recap, both of us essentially have very similar teams. I have the Heat, the Lakers, the Raptors, and the Pelicans. And the only difference is that you have the Bulls over the Raptors. Yep, but as my, uh, my role model, Brian Windors always says, I don't make predictions about the Lakers, so... Not an official prediction. I only gave my thoughts. <laughs> All right. I love it. I love it. Well, I'll give you my thoughts tomorrow after the game. <laughs> that sounds good. All and right. I'll use some choice words that uh, only my boy Slow-Mo uses. <laughs> oh, man. Slow-Mo. I never knew he was such a fiery dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Enjoy the next two days of basketball. We'll catch up soon before the playoffs. Sounds good, dude. See you. I want to give a shout out to our producer, Sandeep. Without him, this podcast would not be possible. If you want to get the latest news on the podcast and to support us, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BSJPod. 
You can also find all our episodes uploaded onto our website at www.bsjpod.com. Thanks for tuning in.